It's good to be here with you all. Um, when you speak in front of groups of people, congregations, outreaches, it's, it's always interesting for me to be able to like look at the folks that are there and you can tell the response of the people, like friendly crowd, hostile crowd, indifferent crowd, like who is it, very tired crowd, you know, you know who you are. Um, but there's times like where I'm at a wedding and I'll do a wedding for a believer who has most of the people who are there are Christians. And the response of the people is totally different than if I'm doing one for someone who is an unbeliever or, or, or there's very few Christians that are in the congregation. You can just tell the response. At a funeral, you can tell the response of whether it's someone who is a Christian and they have mostly Christian family and friends and those that are not. At outreaches, being in places where I've been in areas where it's almost entirely Muslim, and doing an outreach, whether it be in South Sudan and 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 uh, and preaching to different areas of there, or northern Uganda, or up in Darfur, where we were in a stadium. Some of you guys were with me there, where we're in a stadium of tens of thousands of, of people, all men, all Muslim, sharing the gospel in that place, and you could you could cut through the the hostility that was there as we shared. Um, our text this morning comes from Acts chapter 2. If you want to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles that are under the pews there in the little shelves. But we're in Acts chapter 2. And we see this first sermon in the early church there at Pentecost. The setting there is Peter is preaching a sermon. And undoubtedly, it is a hostile crowd. The people who are there that are listening are people from all over the place, not just Jerusalem. But it lists the different people who are there, and there's this mighty work of people that were speaking in tongues and people hearing in their own languages and this awesome thing that's taking place there in Jerusalem. Now remember, it's in Jerusalem. And here's Peter preaching. And what took place 50 days before Christ's death, his crucifixion. I mean, less than two months before, there's crowds of people saying, give us Barabbas, crucify him. Wanting to crucify Christ, screaming out, his blood be on us. Hating him. Disciples fleeing. Peter even denying Christ three times out of just fear of even a young girl who's questioning him. There's fear that's there amongst the people because of the fact that they hated Christ. Hated him. And so now we, we come to a place where the crowd is a hostile crowd. There's a huge mass of people there, thousands and thousands of people. And Peter, standing with the other disciples, gets up and preaches a sermon to them. 
top of his lungs preaching so that thousands and thousands of people could hear. Looking in their faces and knowing that this is a hostile crowd. They don't want to be here. They don't want to hear from me. And yet there's this boldness that's there. As he is proclaiming the resurrected Christ, the Messiah, to all of these thousands of people. Children that are there, as there are here in the congregation this morning. Elderly people who are there. And all the ages in between. Look at the response of what happens after the sermon. We see in in Acts chapter 2 that it says in verse 1, I'm sorry, in in, in verse uh, 37. In verse 37, now when they heard this, they heard the sermon, they were cut to the heart And said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? What takes place as they hear the words of Peter, the sermon, they are cut to the heart. It has affected them in the most incredible way. It wasn't something where they respond with, well, that was funny. Or he's a good speaker. Or we should do this every Easter and Christmas. We we will continue to come out. Or every once in a while now we should listen to some Christian music or, or I'll, I'll wear a cross around my neck. That wasn't the kind of response that they got. They were cut to the heart. It, it had an impact on the whole crowd that was there. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Repent and be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day... About 3,000 souls were added to them. Isn't that radical? They are cut to the heart. They hear the word. They hear the sermon. And as a result, approximately 3,000 people who had once come in indifferent or hostile leave saying, what can we do? Repent, change the direction of where you're in, go in the opposite direction, believe, be baptized. 3,000 of the people. Remember, there's there's no amplification. He's speaking there in Jerusalem. Surely there's Pharisees and Sadducees just around the corner. They know that they could be put to death. They just saw Christ be put to death. They know the kind of hostility that's there. And yet 3,000 thousand people are added to the church that day. Three thousand people. 
And it wasn't that they just thought like, well, my buddy's going up, I should go up too. It, it affected them. You go on and, and you read this and it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There is a radical revival, a radical work that's going on in the church, right? 3,000 people get saved, and it just changes everything. Let's, let's take our stuff. Well, I don't care. I don't, I don't need this stuff. I'll sell it. Let's, let's make it so that everybody that has need has what they need. Let's eat together. Let's do this daily. Let's continue steadfastly in the word. Let's study God's word together. Let's go from house to house doing this. Let's eat together. Let's partake in communion together. Let's do this. We're, we are doing life together. And our lives are radically different because Christ is now our Lord. He saved us. Cut to the heart. On that day, 3,000 people get saved and everything's changed for them. Everything has changed for them. It wasn't, well, it was good. They're changed. This sermon was preached and they were radically, radically changed. When we look at the sermon, in verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Now, let's just stop there for a second. It's Peter. We know what the crowd's like. Let's talk for a second about who the speaker is. It's Peter. This last week, my little boy that just turned four said to me, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole wide world. And I was like, aw, Andrew, that's so sweet, buddy. So sweet. I love you, man. And he is just like, so happy. And he looks at his mommy and says, Mommy, you're the best mommy in the whole city. (laughs) It was awesome. Four years old. Now, Now, Tasha didn't start crying. She wasn't sitting there going like, well, who does he know in Irvine? Or like, what? (laughs) She wasn't devastated. She looked at me and and, and she said, well, obviously he thinks the city's bigger than the world. (laughs) And the reason why is because he's four. He just turned four. He didn't know the difference. He was just thinking like, daddy was really happy with the whole world thing. What else is big? Mama, the whole city. You're the best mama in the whole city. Now, you don't, you don't get broken up about that. 
It's not devastated. She's not thinking like, oh, he must know some really good mamas around this county. Because he's four. He doesn't know what he's saying. He just wanted to share his love. But Peter, standing up with the 11, man, this guy's speaking with authority. He knows what he's saying. Here's someone who was called by the Lord as he was there out in his boat and not catching anything and Christ speaks to him and we find that all of a sudden his boat's overflowing with fish and Jesus tells him that he was going to make him a fisher of men. Peter left his net, followed Christ. We watch the process of him following Christ and this brother he saw some awesome things, didn't he? Transfiguration there, watching all of that taking place, seeing Christ in his glory, watching miracle after miracle take place, loaves and fish multiplied, people who are blind miraculously being able to see, people who are lame miraculously being able to walk, people who are dead miraculously being raised from the dead. All kinds of, of miracles that they saw. Even watching Jesus walk on water and Peter wanting to walk out towards him, right? And then his faith gets small. Starts to sink. Christ reaches out and grabs him. Amazing things that Peter saw over the course of his life. We see that Peter was one who, who also had such boldness in his faith. Saying things like, even, even if everybody forsakes you, it, it won't be me. Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. So remember that this is less than two months before this sermon. Peter's response is, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. You say I'll deny you three times? I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He's confident. It's one who loved Christ. Wanted to follow Christ wherever he went. And yet, shortly after that, when Christ asks him to pray, he keeps falling asleep. Wakes up, though, as Jesus is being betrayed. Guards come. What does Peter do? He brings out his sword. He's going to fight. He's ready to go to death for Christ. Chops off the soldier's ear. Boldness that's there. I'll fight them all. Jesus heals the man's ear. But then they take Jesus away. 
Peter's there and a servant girl comes to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. He denies it. I do not know what you're saying. Again, saying, I do not know the man. Then others came and stood up saying, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. He began to curse and to swear saying, I do not know the man. Tells us that while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. It was then that Peter remembered the words of the Lord saying, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. It tells us that Peter went out and he wept. He wept bitterly. Bitterly. Can you imagine? Christ is there upon the cross. Peter denies him three times. Christ looks upon him and he just goes and weeps bitterly. Sobbing. The last thing that Christ saw, as far as from Peter's perspective, was Peter denying him. Then Christ rises again from the dead. Christ appears to Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome and, and, and says, Go tell his disciples and Peter. And the response had to be, did they really say, and Peter? Can you imagine Peter being there? What, wait, wait, what, what did they say? What, was he, what did he say? Go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Did he really say, and Peter? And truly he did say, and Peter. We watch that Christ appears to Peter. So this awesome picture that's given in Scripture of Christ appearing to, appearing to the disciples on multiple occasions. But on one in particular, we're told that Peter was out fishing. And Jesus came and said, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast it out and they weren't able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And then they knew that it was the Lord. Peter, we're told, takes, takes his shirt, puts it back on and then dives into the water and swims to the shore. All the other guys just row in. But in Peter's mind, I can't get there fast enough. There's no way you guys can row faster than I'm going to swim. And he dives in and swims. He just wants to be with Christ. He saw Christ. He had been with Christ. There was no doubt in Peter's mind that Christ rose again from the dead. Christ had appeared before the women at the tomb. Mary Magdalene, the two men of Emmaus, Peter in Jerusalem, the ten disciples. Another occasion, eleven disciples. Another occasion, seven disciples fishing in Galilee. Another time, eleven more disciples in Galilee. 
500 people at one time. And James, the brother of the Lord, appeared to all of them. There was no doubt in his mind that Christ had risen again from the dead. He knew it to be true. And so now he's preaching a sermon. This is who's speaking. There's authority that's there. He knows what he's saying. He's been with the Lord. One who would deny Christ to a little girl had now seen the risen Christ. And he's willing to go wherever it's necessary to preach the gospel. Know that all the disciples were like that. Even if it meant death for them. You see some going to Spain. Others going to Africa. One going to Turkey. Another going to Greece and Asia Minor and then all the way up to Russia. It's Andrew. Crucified on an X-shaped cross for his faith. Another one flayed alive in Armenia. It was Bartholomew. Matthew went to Persia, Macedonia, Syria, Parthia, Media, and Ethiopia. Died a martyr. Thomas went to India. Put to death by a spear. James arrested and thrown off the temple beaten to death with a club. Go through and you see where they went. Simon, off to Persia. All kinds of places for the sake of the gospel. Peter, proclaiming the gospel and later being crucified upside down asking to be crucified upside down so he wouldn't die in the same manner as his Lord. These guys were willing to do anything for their faith in Christ. They knew that Christ had risen again from the dead and they were going to go to the uttermost parts of this world proclaiming the gospel. And so this is Peter speaking. He stands up with the eleven. Says to these people, Men of Judea, in verse 14, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, saying, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servant, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy, and I'll show wonders in heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. 
Then he goes on in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Right? You saw it. Lazarus, raised from the dead. Blind men, able to see. Lame men, able to walk. Mute men, able to speak. Deaf people, able to hear. A withered hand, healed. Lepers, healed. All kinds of miracles you saw. Fish and loaves. You watched him for these years. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Stop in there for a second. This one who just a few weeks ago was put to death, it didn't happen because the Jews won. The Pharisees won. It didn't happen because the Romans won. This happened because this was determined by God to take place. God determined this. Passes in scripture after scripture after scripture that said that the Messiah would be crucified throughout the Old Testament. He says, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. This just happened. But whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. God raised him up. God caused him to rise again from the the dead. The tomb was empty. He appeared to all of us. The disciples, the women, the 500 people at one time. He appeared before us all. For David says concerning him, and he goes back to the Old Testament, I foresaw the Lord always, always before my face. For he is at my right hand, and I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. And so he goes on from there and says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. That he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Let's talk about David. He died. He was buried. If you want to go see his tomb, we could just go over and see where his tomb is, because he's still in there. If we wanted to dig it up, we'd see his bones that are there. There, David died and was buried. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseen this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that the soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. You hear what Peter's doing? Men and brethren, Israelites, just so you know, when David was talking about that, he was talking about Christ. We could go visit David. His body saw corruption. But Christ, his body did not see corruption. He rose again three days later, just as he said. 
That prophecy that was given through David, it was talking about the one that was coming from David, and it was Christ. He rose again from the dead. goes from there. This Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He rose again from the dead. The prophecies were given. This is what it said to David. And this is what happened. And what happens? 3,000 people get saved. It cut to their heart. Here we see that it was not possible that Christ be held by death. He would not allow his Holy One to see corruption. He rose again from the dead. Brothers and sisters, this message isn't one in which most of us would read and think, wow, what a powerful way he had of speaking. He simply just went through and said, these prophecies were given and they were talking about Christ. This, in reference to David, was talking about Christ. He rose again from the dead. And it changed everything for them. God would not allow him to see corruption. He rose again on the third day. Think of the people standing there in Jerusalem listening to this. This one in whom we screamed out, crucify him. This one in whom we hated. This one in whom our religious leaders said, let's put him to death. And we watched him hang there on the cross. We heard the words that he said. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or it is finished. Or into thy hands I commend my spirit. The veil rent in two, torn in two. Darkness covering the earth. And all of these disciples that had scattered and gone all over the place. There's no doubt in their mind that he rose again from the dead. Peter, who denied Christ three times, is now standing in Jerusalem. With Pharisees and Sadducees all around them with 
military that are there with all of these Jews who are there, all these people who hated Christ, and he doesn't care. He's going to proclaim the gospel. He's going to tell them of the risen Christ because he knows that Christ rose again from the dead. And these people hear this, and they are cut to the heart. It changed everything for them. The Holy Spirit used this to cause their eyes that were once blind to be opened. And they believed. And they repented. And they were baptized. And they followed him. And they met together regularly for church. They gave of what they had to one another. They broke bread together. They went from house to house. They proclaimed the gospel. The church started in, from these disciples. And now, these 3,000. Brothers and sisters, this is 2,000 years ago. They went to the uttermost parts of this world proclaiming the gospel because it was the greatest news that they could ever hear. It changed everything for them. Cut to the heart, and they're going to follow Christ. So that's the response to the sermon. Lives radically changed. Going from being haters of Christ, hostile towards Peter, hostile towards the disciples, to he's risen. If he's risen, if that tomb is empty, if he conquered sin and death, if he fulfilled what all the prophecies said as far as who the Messiah was, who he would be, what he would do, then we are to follow him all the days of our lives. Changed everything for them. And now we're here 2,000 later, years later. What does... What does the risen Christ do to you? Do you respond with, I should go to church every year? Do you respond with, I'm going to try to be a better person? Do you respond with, let's bust up that cross again. I'm going to wear that from now on. Do you respond with, you know, I'm going to mix in some Christian music. He seems like he's worthy of that. Or do you respond with, God sent his son. He fulfilled all righteousness. He went to the cross and he died on the cross for my sins. He gives me his righteousness. He took the wrath that I deserved upon himself He's made it so I get to spend eternity with him in heaven. I get to enter into the joy of the Lord. He's made me his bride. He's made me his people. He's brought me to be a part of his family. He makes it so that I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He makes it so that I get to see him in his glory. He makes it so that I will be with him forevermore. He will wipe away every tear. and There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sin. All those things are gone. He has done these things. He rose again from the dead, conquered sin and death, 
And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you think, I want to be a part of that, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. I want to follow him. I want to meet regularly. I want to break bread with believers. I want to tell people that Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. I want to be where he is my Lord and he's my Savior and I'm going to follow him because he's changed everything for me. It's going in a direction of spending eternity in hell and it's been replaced with eternity in heaven. I was covered with sin and it's replaced with robes of righteousness. Changes everything for me. And so, brothers and sisters, a sermon was preached that Christ had risen. And it convinced them. It didn't come from a four-year-old. It came from one who was walking with Jesus, denied Jesus, and then saw Jesus. Not only did he see Jesus, but he was forgiven by Jesus. He loved Jesus. He'd go to Jerusalem in front of thousands of people and say, I'll speak up. I'll stand there. I don't care what your faces look like. I don't care how much you hate this. Be quiet for a second and listen. And they listened. And they were cut to the heart. And then they followed him. How awesome is that? We hear this this morning message of the resurrection does it cut us to the heart where we respond with changes everything for me everything for me the same God who worked in those 3,000 souls of those who are haters of Christ. The same God who cut through hearts of stone to bring them to salvation. That same God has cut through every believer's heart here this morning. And if you're an unbeliever here, that same God can cut through your heart on this day and bring you to salvation to where everything changes. It's absurd to hear the message of the resurrection and respond with, that's pretty cool. That's absurd. You don't respond to the risen Christ as, every once in a while I should pay attention to him then. You respond to the risen Christ with, I belong to him. He has my all. I will worship him both now and forevermore. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for all that you have accomplished for us, Lord. What a God we serve that can pierce hearts with the power of your word. You died for us, and three days later you rose again from the dead. And your resurrection changes everything for us. Just as you rose from the dead, so will we rise again in newness of life and spend eternity with you. From this point forward, Lord, 
may our lives be radically impacted by that to where we desire to follow you and to proclaim the good news of the gospel here and even to the uttermost parts of this world. For you're worthy. You are worthy of our lives, of our praise, of our submission to your lordship. obedience to your word and hearts overflowing with thankfulness. May some of that overflow with thankfulness be reflected now as we sing praises unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.